Hey guys, um, might I just share something with you guys? I want to remind you that I do have a Patreon page for those that are not familiar with that. It's an easy way for um, those interested in my work to see new exclusive content and updates before anyone else. And it's also an opportunity to contribute to the show to help with a project that will be rolled out and as well as um, the opportunities I have to give back to the community by contributing as little as $1 per month. Yes, I do not discriminate against money. You can actually contribute to the show. As one of my listeners and supporters, I'd like to invite you to be a stakeholder on the show as well if you're interested in becoming one of my patrons please help me and lay the foundation for what i hope to be a great ongoing project the most stable show if you're not in a position to become my patron to financially contribute to the show that's no worries at all your support still means the world to me um if you're unable to donate financially another way you can help is to spread the word every time you get announcements about new episodes please share it on your page and maybe even adding a few words about what each episode means to you and things like that that goes a long way to promote the visibility of the page so whether you can afford to pay at least a dollar a month or not um i just crave your indulgence to help spread the word about the show i was a little bit uncomfortable asking for money but i found needs to like be able to use money as a vehicle to help more um some of you might know um, a few episodes ago i brought in a guest that has schizophrenia and i wanted to get him back on her medication so i raised a fundraiser on my facebook page and within days um, i had raised more than enough money that i needed for her to give her for a year of um, medications so that's something we did so i want to keep this open-ended so that way every time we have opportunities to give back to the community I don't have to necessarily start a fundraiser. So thank you all. Um, and I do appreciate your support. And thank you for giving me courage to keep this platform going. Now, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I am Mosibel, and this is the Mosibel Podcast. everyone and welcome back to the more civil podcast a podcast about culture cultural nomads designed for blacks and asians and those who love them i'm your host mosible nigerian born u.s educated korean speaking struggling intellectual on this episode, I have a guest here today with me, and I got her as a referral from a wonderful friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. Shout out to Jolene, my wonderful friend from Nicaragua. And according to Jolene, she was like, you need to interview this person. And I think her exact words were this. She goes, she says she's from Turkey and a powerful woman <laughs> with a great story and a happy ending. So I want to find out what what's behind, you know, that um very very glowing recommendation well um she was born and raised in istanbul turkey and she studied political science and international relations and history at the Bogazici. did i say that right yes University? perfect yes. Good. <laughs> she completed a master's degree at the Bogazici university's Atatürk institute for modern turkish history and an ma thesis that was titled neoliberal populism and the ozal decade its implication for the democratic process. Wow. She's worked as a journalist before. She holds a Master's of Arts degree from the government department from the University of Texas at Austin. Shout out to Austin. And um, her thesis was titled Buying Support Without Brokers, Conditional Cash Transfers in Turkey and Argentina. Currently, she's a PhD candidate at the Political Science Department at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's lived in Istanbul, Ankara, Austin, Buenos Aires, Chicago. And according to her, she loves Chicago best. She likes to swim, she likes to do yoga, she likes to have long walks, and she enjoys going to jazz concerts with her husband. And one of her favorite places is um, the Winters Jazz Club. She's done a lot of voluntary work to help the education of underprivileged girls in Turkey. 
And um, she, her sister-in-law owns a cafe in Chicago, and she likes to go there to help. And if you're ever in Chicago, you can stop by the Cafe Cobral. Anyways, um, hello, Mine, and thanks, thanks for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing? Hello, Mo. Uh, you're welcome. I'm so excited and happy as well. So I look forward to our conversation and podcast, and thank you for introducing me in such a wonderful way. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Here, and it's also great to uh, hear mention our Common friends, Georgina's name as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's also a very powerful, a very strong and hardworking she and talented So I am so lucky to have crossed paths with all these wonderful, yeah. successful, powerful women. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, I'm, sh- I'm sure she's going to be so embarrassed just hearing us talk about her in this way because she, she, <laughs> she hates this kind of attention. But we're just going to She'll anyway love you. She's so powerful. I mean, she's... So she's so amazing. Yes. She is. She's so amazing. She's I don't know that that word she's like a she's a star. She's my shining star, you know, of a friend. <laughs> yes. I'm so 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 happy that I crossed paths with her. But good, good. So thank you, Jolene, for introducing me to me and now I get to have another friend from Turkey. <laughs> Anyways, so um tell me about your story. You, you how long so you're from Turkey, right? Yes. I'm, yes. I'm what made you move to the US and how long have you lived here in the US? Yeah, um um so um that actually started with my university education. Uh, so I studied political science and international relations and did a double major with history. And, you know, when I was taking my classes, of course, there were some professors that were kind of my role models. And yes. most of them had their PhDs in the United States. And from then onwards, I started asking myself, well, uh, could that be a career path for me? You know, should I try to apply for the PhD program? Then I finished my um, undergraduate degree and I started a master's program uh, at the same university in a different department. And at the same time, I was uh, also working as a journalist, but uh, I was, you know, exposed to different countries at the international news department. And I asked myself, well, I should try this. I should take the GRE exam. I should take all the other exams and ask my professors if they would be willing to, you know, support my application. So, yeah, it was a courageous move because, you know, nobody in my family, so I have a brother and, you know, other family members, nobody in my family moved to a different country, had such a So it was, really, I was the first one and it was a courageous move, but I wanted to, you know, despite probably challenges, difficulties, I wanted to try and see if I would be able to make it, and I also really like teaching a lot. So these were some of the motivations for me that, you know, uh, try to apply for the PhD programs in the United States and see, you know, how it goes from their onwards, and that's how it started. Uh, Really, uh, the, the existence of a role model professor really liking to read a lot and teaching um, so th- those were the, some of the factors that uh, encouraged me to apply for the PhD program in the United States. Very good, very good. So um, I picked up something from your um, response, uh, from your last response, and that was you being the first person from your family to like move across um, continents to go study abroad and you know an advanced degree for that matter. What would you say were one of the hardest adjustments you had to make, given that you probably had to start from the beginning, building mm-hmm. your emotional and social support? Um, yes, at the beginning it was really very difficult, uh, of course. Uh, one thing I was lucky about, um, 
so we moved to Austin with uh, another Turk. Uh, we, we were in France uh, at the beginning, but she she was also starting at the same year, the same program. So it was a coincidence, and she reached out to me. So you know, we moved we moved to Austin together. We we were the, we were roommates, and we really got along well together. So you know, uh, her presence uh, kind of helped me a little bit because otherwise, honestly. First of all, yeah, the education system is, of course, much more competitive, much more rigorous, right? Um, writing completely everything in Turkish, uh, yeah. in, in English, uh, you know, especially in our field, it's social sciences. Uh, it's, uh, A lot of writing. Yes, um, and you need to, I mean, in, in grad school there will be a lot of criticisms, of course, because your professors want you to improve, to make progress, but really being open to criticisms and taking those criticisms in a constructive way rather than in a negative way, um, that was also, of course, a challenge because you definitely want to succeed in the program. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I think I was, uh, yeah, it was difficult being away from my mom, being away from my brother, uh, in a completely, so I lived in Austin, Texas. Uh, Texas, yeah. Texas is a conservative state, but uh, Austin is relatively liberal. Uh, in that respect, I was luckier, so it wasn't a, a, a very conservative part of Texas. Uh, and also really, uh, you know, starting my journey with a Turkish friend who, who later we got along really well. Uh, yeah. The roommate helped me to uh, make, have this path uh, at least a bit easier. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy, of course. It, was it wasn't easy. Everybody knows that. Everybody that's ever had to, like, you know, cross... Even if it's just one country to move to the U.S. and start all over again, maybe through maybe school or whatever you're doing, everybody knows it's not always easy. It's a it's an arduous process, but exactly. there are some advantages, and you get to grow in that process during that process as well. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and also you know I think all of us change, all of us learn. There is no age of learning or change. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I got to you know recognize that life is a journey. There will be hard. There will be difficulties, there will be some moments, some very hard, yeah. difficult, tough yeah. moments, but at the end of the day, you need to go back and ask yourself, okay, you know, why did this happen? What did I learn from this? Yeah. Now yeah. I grow stronger. So seeing, seeing life as a journey and being open to the fact that there will be a lot of uh, hardships, difficulties along the way, but you will move on and you will move forward. In and of in, in and of itself, it was a very important experience for me, and I think it made me stronger in life. So very good, yeah. very good, very good. And um, there's something there's something I want to add to that. It would be I think when we when for example personally for me moving here initially when I encountered obstacles, I would get twice as frustrated because I'll start thinking. Oh my God, it's hard. But then later on, I started thinking, if I were to, st- if I had stayed back in Nigeria, I probably would, I definitely would still have, you know, obstacles, probably different kind of obstacles. But wherever you are in life, there are always going to be challenges. You know, it just makes it twice as hard if you're moving, if you're in a current, in a country where you're kind of relatively new to, or you don't have, you know, the kind of social support you grew up with. But these are things you can always find later in the process. But while you're still going through the grind of it. Give yourself some time to grow into it. It's called growing pains. You know, you have a lot of challenges. You have a lot of um, 
of difficulties you have to overcome. But guess what? It's going to get better with time, you know. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I would like to throw out there to anyone listening to this that might be going through something, one thing or the other. Okay. So before we, before I ask you about your teaching portfolio and things like that, yes. so I'm really curious about Turkey. For those that are, I mean, most people, everybody listening should know what Turkey is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you wanted to sell Turkey to people listening, like how would you describe your country through your own eyes? Well, also I need to tell you that it's been a... Uh, so, for instance, it was, I guess, uh, uh, I've been more than a year, I last visited Turkey, so unfortunately I can't go there very often, at the most yeah. once a year, and Turkey has changed a lot uh, since I moved to the United States, but, um, you know, it, I mean, it's, uh, it's, inter- it's at the intersection of Europe and Asia, and it, it yes. has, there has been several different civilizations before the foundation of the Turkish Republic. It has been home to, you know, Roman... Ottoman, Ottoman Empire, remember, Ottoman yeah. Empires and, and the last uh, uh, Turkish Republic. Uh, so it's uh, honestly very beautiful and full of history. Is that the Byzantine? Is that the Byzantine? Yeah, Byzantine, yeah. Byzantine, Roman, Byzantine, Ottoman Empire, so yeah. it's home yeah. to several different civilizations in that respect it is very rich in cultural terms and in terms of really history historical monuments uh, different cities from the you know black region southern region eastern southeastern parts all these different parts of turkey have different features and characteristics so to me I mostly lived in Istanbul uh, in my lifetime and by, my brother lives in the capital uh, Ankara so I have been, uh, I have had the opportunity to visit some other uh, cities, Ankara, and also my family, my mother's side is from the Black Sea region, so I know the Black Sea region, but it is uh, really a combination of uh, different uh, civilizations, cultures, and it's uh, very beautiful. It has the, you know, the sea, the, uh, so, and also the food, the cuisine, yeah. it's very delicious. Uh, and people are uh, hospitable to, you know, newcomers, to guests, to foreigners. In that respect, if people are uh, planning to, you know, travel, are curious about uh, different food, different cultures, also if they are interested in really history, cultural monuments, uh, uh, or if they like the sea as well, so th- there will be parts of Turkey where they can find anything in that respect. Um, so I, I encourage them if they haven't had the opportunity to visit Turkey, they they, sh- they can uh, take a look at it and they can um, think think about the option of um, uh, visiting Turkey. But yeah. also recently, unfortunately, the the situation in the Middle East, uh, right in in our neighbors, the Syrian refugee crisis. So mm-hmm. it's important to acknowledge the fact that. The region, uh, unfortunately, is facing encountering some safety, security issues, issues and governments yeah. are trying to deal with yeah. the fact and to overcome that. But uh, it's a fascinating uh, place, I guess. So for yeah. those of them who consider to see new countries, new cultures, new civilizations, I definitely encourage them. Um, yeah. So I think I was yeah. was really glad to. Uh, be born and raised in a big city also Istanbul is a big city so if people like the big city life uh, 
they can find different aspects of everything in Turkey, in different parts of Turkey. So it's, uh, okay. uh, yeah. Very good. Um, Hagia Sophia is one place I really want to visit. I, the Bacchus yes. yes. I really want to visit. I'll have some pictures. Anyways, um, let's move on to your teaching portfolio. So you got a master's degree at the government department at UT, and now yes. you are working, you're also doubling as a TA at the University of Illinois in Chicago. So your yeah. course is on introduction. Can you tell us a little bit more about your course? I know what is it, but I want you to say more about that. No, so I was lucky actually when I started the PhD program because of my background at UT Austin and because I hold a master's degree at the U.S. Institute, I was lucky. So my department, my current department is very welcoming and right at my first year, uh, they, uh, they started asking me if I would be willing to teach my own courses. So in my second semester, I had the opportunity to teach an introduction to international relations course, uh, which yeah. is a big, big class. Um, so uh, I had two teaching assistants, and it was a big class um, on different aspects of international relations, where uh, the students had, you know, uh, uh, some quizzes, some midterms and finals. It was mostly quiz, midterm, and finals, uh, and also some papers as well. So they had the opportunity to write their papers. Um, I also worked as a TA for some different courses, but this year, uh, at the beginning, uh, at the uh, fall semester, I got to teach a course on the politics of the Middle East. So that was really a great opportunity for me. Uh, we talked about, we discussed three countries, Iran, Israel, and Turkey. Uh, and uh, the class was a combination of, you know, they got to watch some documentaries, they got to watch some YouTube videos about these different cultures, different societies, and also read some pieces and articles, and mostly it was a writing-intensive class, so I really wanted them to improve their uh, writing skills also, as well as learning more about the Middle East, about the different cultures, different countries, and, you know, some unique features and characteristics of each country, and exposing them to some documentaries and, you know, some videos or some movies. And uh, I, I, re I recognize that they really like these, uh, the combination of different aspects, and the students, undergraduate students, really like to watch uh, about and learn about, they are fascinated to learn about these societies. So uh, uh, my impression was that uh, most of the students got something out of the class that they didn't know beforehand and that was my main goal. And this semester I'm teaching a course on the methods of political science. And mm -hmm. so we discussed uh, different methods, mostly ethnography, mostly interviews, survey methodology, and now they are working on their individual projects, individual ethnography projects, individual survey projects, but also a group project. So each student is also part of a group. And the goal was really to help them also to be able to work in a group setting because that's yeah. what they will need to do when they, yeah. <laughs> when they start to work. So they learn yeah. how to present PowerPoint presentations and work together a group dynamic. Uh, so I hope, yeah, I am, I am really excited. We have the last two weeks of classes, um, and uh, the next 
Friday, they will be turning in their assignments about their different projects, and I'm excited to read about them. So you are excited? Yes. <laughs> you really do love teaching. So um, I have served as a TA many times while I was in grad school, and I currently <laughs> teach, you know, the graduate course program where I work in the College of Pharmacy, and I also okay. teach pharmacy students. And I can tell you. There's a huge difference being a TA and having to develop your own course and things like that. Um, what would you say has been one strategy that has helped you to transition between your TA roles and your teaching roles? Like, how do you um, bring out the best in your students? Yes, <laughs> that's always a challenge. You are right, especially every you know the day before my classes. I uh, I always think about okay, you know, uh, tomorrow I have a class and. Uh, what should I do, how should I prepare for it so that they get most out of it. So it's always a combination of some stress but some excitement as well. You need to love teaching, otherwise there is no way you would be uh, in this business. Yeah, very true. Um, Yeah, I always ask myself a couple of questions. So, you know, how can I find the course interesting? maybe including, as I said, some videos, some other aspects. So I think you need to find a middle ground. You definitely need to make sure that students are getting something out of this, but also yeah. making, making it enjoyable and uh, fun as well. Uh, but, uh, yes, definitely transitioning from a TA to a teacher, definitely it's a lot of responsibilities, but also you are on your own. So you are your own boss, right? You're not working... Mm-hmm somebody that's also the beauty of it so you're really working for your own you're setting the you know responsibilities requirements different aspects of the class uh, that's also I guess a beauty of it and really interacting yeah as a TA also you interact with students but of course it's difficult different, it, yeah it's different interacting with students on a one-on-one basis and really trying to help them on their questions uh, about their assignments. So one thing I really try to do my best is to be very prompt to my students. When they send me emails or when they want to meet with me during my office hours, I try to be very prompt and in terms of asking and addressing their questions. And I think the students really understand, you know, th- this professor is really into helping us so they can distinguish yeah. that. That's one thing I really try to do my best in that respect. So. That's good. That's really good. Um, now we're going to go to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast, and I'll come back with some final comments. Sure. All right. <laughs> Welcome back to the Mardi Gras section of the podcast, where I get to ask my guests open-ended questions. And the questions, miniature was this one. You are a world traveler. What's your next stop and why? <laughs> okay, so actually, it's, uh, I will be traveling to Buenos Aires this again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, again, again. So I, I got a, I got a, a grant from Northwestern University. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you for uh, for my research. So it, it is uh, it's gonna allow me to do some more work on um, populism and rhetoric discourses uh, of populist, left-wing populist discourse in Argentina. So that's going to be my next stop for sure this, this summer, uh, June and July time. I'll be in Buenos Aires. But yeah. there are obviously, you know, several, hypothetically thinking, there are always obviously several places that I would like to visit. One place being really Peru. So hopefully I would like to, in my lifetime, I would like to have the opportunity 
to visit Peru because I'm also fascinated with Latin America and Latin American culture. Yeah. I would like really? to more places in Latin America. Yeah. So aside from Buenos Aires, hopefully one day I'll be able to visit other parts in, uh, in Latin America. The first being Peru. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Oh. Well, um, I should go on those journeys. Um, wish you the very best and have fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm really excited. You're welcome. You're welcome. And um, so um, I have a few more questions left, and I'll start with one. So I mean, you you remind your story reminds me of my story. You know, the love for reading and having um good role models and leaving your country and then going to the U.S. um to study an advanced degree. And now you're currently in, in academia. So what do you think your next role is like? Where do you see yourself in the future? Do you plan going on a tenure track route, or would you work, would you want to work for like a, an international relations agency? What's the next step for you? That's a question I keep asking myself, and maybe I should already have the answer for this but unfortunately I do not um, uh, I think I would like to see where life uh, brings me if one thing I definitely would like to be with my husband yeah so that's also something important for me I definitely like teaching uh, yeah. uh, so I think as long as I do what I like, I will be happy. So I can say that I am not extremely ambitious. So it should be just a tenure track job or it should be just, you know, this type of job. I think as long as we do what we like, we will be happy in life. And that's the most important thing. So uh, in that respect, I think I calmed down a little bit in terms of the career prospects and career objectives. And I try to see, okay, I'll, I'll try to do my best. And then I'll see where life, uh, you know, leads me to. And I will yeah. be definitely fine with that. So finding peace, I guess, and being content and happy with where you are at uh, are the most important things. So I'll just see first, finish my dissertation and see, you know, apply for a number of jobs and see, you know, where life is going to lead me. But I hope to be involved in teaching. For sure. Very good, very good. And like you, I had that question asked of me many times while I was in grad school, and I really couldn't give a good answer. But um, even as at the time when I was applying for my jobs, I was just app- applying to everywhere and applying broadly, because usually you, you can tailor it to maybe academic positions or consulting or working for big pharma. I was just all over. But it came down to what I really wanted to do, like what I really wanted to spend my time doing. And I love teaching. You know, if I take in other positions, I was I could still get to teach, but it wouldn't be a formalized mechanism. I could have served as an adjunct faculty somewhere, but that would be taking time out of my already busy schedule to go find somewhere to teach. So I think it was the love of teaching and you know interacting with students that made me choose an academic position. But in any event, I do wish you the very best because <laughs> I know whatever you do next, you're gonna really excel at, and wherever you do end up, I'm sure they'll be very lucky to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was wonderful to talk to you and also to listen to and learn from your experience. And I'm very happy to hear that you also ended up where you had dreamed of. Uh, yes. So that, that's really wonderful. And I'm so happy for you as well. <laughs> I did. And as far as the happiness, I'm happy where I am. I'm happy what I do with what I do. Even when the job sometimes can get tasking, as far as the administrative portion of things, I think that joy of teaching, that joy of doing research, it, it kind of makes up for it. So, yes, 
I do agree with you that as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, it might not even be through the job. Maybe your job is just a way to get you, give you access, maybe financially, to do other things on the side, like if you're volunteering somewhere. Just find, find what will make you feel less miserable in life and being responsible to other people as well and finding ways to fill yourself back up. I think that's, that's one of the keys to living happily and living successfully. Exactly. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> Very good. So, um, quickly, you just got married, right? Congratulations on that. Thanks. How is it like balancing grad school and marriage? Because we know that's like two different things. <laughs> yes. Uh, people keep asking me about this, but it's honestly wonderful uh, to have somebody, a very supportive partner. So, I'm very lucky. Yeah. My husband is an extremely supportive person. Um, so, honestly, it makes, uh, it makes life much easier. Uh, with somebody by your side that is ready and willing to support you, listen to you, even, you know, um, he has been reading my work and giving me comments about this, so really the existence of somebody who you know that will tell you the truth uh, regarding the job, regarding your decisions, who you can trust, uh, who is there with you, I think makes a huge difference, so I'm so lucky to have him in my life and... Right, yeah. <laughs> Very good. I'm glad you guys found each other. My husband used to serve as my proof um, um, reader and my editor <laughs> for my <laughs> for all of my stuff. I I would do my presentations with him or give me feedback. So it's always good to have that support system. They get to see you your fifty shades of 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 mood <laughs> while you're in grad school. When you're happy one moment and sad one moment and discourage exactly. the other moment. So shout out to the spouses who are supporting. <laughs> yeah, you know the spouses in grad school. You guys are like the real MVP. <laughs> yes, um, yes, exactly. Um, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, another quick question I had was: so I'm, I'm sure you've heard of imposter syndrome, right? Oh yes, I did. And so I do, yes. Do you suffer from that periodically? By the way, like some of us do. And if yes, how do you how like what do you do to like combat that quickly? Um, I don't know why I'm still able to combat that, uh, but I think I'm really good at giving advice to my friends who I feel like suffering from imposter syndrome when I see my really, you know, hardworking, powerful, strong, intelligent uh, girl, female friends that are really questioning themselves. I am, I'm, I'm telling them, look, you know, look uh, how much you've accomplished in life yeah. and yeah. Of course, you're able to, this is one more step, and you're able to, you know, overcome that hurdle. I'm not sure whether I'm really 100% good at really internalizing it to myself, because I yeah. realize that sometimes I'm really harsh on myself, you know. We, all get, we all get rejected, yeah. right? You apply for yeah. funds, you apply for, you know, article submissions, and you always, of course, get rejections. That's a part of life, and... I, when I first get those rejections, I sometimes, well, why this didn't work out? I worked so hard on this. Uh, so I think I'm still in certain aspects harsh on myself, especially in areas that I felt like the, you know, the, the outcome might be different. But on yeah. the other hand, uh, I think I'm much more relaxed and flexible in that respect. If do not work out. I think I do not want to waste my time on questioning, but I just want to move forward. Okay, this didn't work out. What do I, what do I have as a plan B, as a plan C? So more like not getting stuck in uh, some of the you know failures, maybe if you call them, but try to always 
look forward and move forward and look ahead and see there are so many other things that you can do, you can accomplish and just yep. focus on them, I guess. Yep. But I think all, 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 all strong, powerful women, all of us are kind no. of struggling with no. this. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. Yeah. We are. But I found out that, like you rightly said, talking to people, and I'm good at dishing out advice that I can, you know, take them for myself. Because I think, I mean, I feel like we're so similar in many ways. Um, but I'm good at really encouraging people and seeing what they can do best. And sometimes it's very difficult for me to internalize that and encourage myself. But I do have people that kind of give back, give something back to me to kind of help me when I'm down. But I think one of the key ways of fighting imposter syndrome, and I've asked these questions to many people, and I usually almost get the same answer. It is reminding yourself the things you've accomplished. You know, mm-hmm. I know it sounds it sounds really really um, um, vain and, and braggy braggy braggy. I don't know in the way you're bragging about yourself, but it's just my, my, it might just be what you need to like get out of that rut and then keep you you know going on. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, good. So um, last well two more questions. One is so I'm Nigerian, right? Like you know, I'm yeah. Nigerian, right? Is there anything yeah. you're curious to know about Nigeria? Any any questions you'd like Nigeria. to ask? I'm actually yeah. really curious about Africa. You're right, and because uh, um, you you have this Asian piece, European piece, you know, American yeah. piece, but I've not heard you said Africa. So I'm like. You know, let's fix that, okay? <laughs> Ask a Nigerian whatever question you want. Tell me about, so which city are you from, Nigeria? I'm from and Lagos. I'm from Lagos. It's like the most populous city in and Nigeria. I'm from Lagos, yeah. How, you know, if you were to tell me a couple of uh, distinct features, distinct characteristics of Lagos, what would you tell me about a day in Lagos? How does it go? And the maybe people. some of the... You know, some the people. of the beauties, the, the beauties, the, the nature, other aspects, I will be curious to. Yeah, oh, good. So, so Lagos is very, is heavily dense. But one thing that makes Lagos, Lagos would be the people. It's, it's very diverse as mm-hmm. far as, you know, opinions, as far as knowledge, as far as um, um, tribes and representations. Of, like, re- like the representativeness of Nigeria, you find a lot of that in Lagos. And also, it's, so it's bordered by the, we're, we're close to the Atlantic Ocean. So if you like seafood, it's a place to be. Wow. And um, this, the nightlife is also very nice. They have a lot of clubs, they have a lot of bars. There's always something you can do in Lagos. But I think it's just the people. The people add so much vibrancy to it. Mm-hmm. It's a very colorful place. It's a very active place. Like you, almost like you can have a whiplash just going side by side, trying to see everything that's coming at you. But it's <laughs> it's wonderful. It's it's beautiful. It's um, a little bit you know fast paced. But yes. if you want to come visit, that's fine. If you want to leave, we can have a totally different story. Yes. But it's very touristy. It's very very touristy. You can have so much fun in Lagos. And people always say, if you can make it in Lagos, you can make it anywhere. What is the population? Um, I want to say about 20 million. Oh, wow. It's 20, so 21 million. It's yeah. bigger than Istanbul, then. It's really, it's really populated. So It's populated, and if you think about the, um, the square feet, like, that's like, it doesn't make sense, because you're looking at 450 square miles. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a small area, but with many people. Think of it like New York, you know. Yes. One more question. Yeah. Do you go go, sure. go often? Do you do you have the chance to go back to Lagos? No, no. When you t- when you were answering your question about trekking and said you only went once a year, I was actually a part of me died inside because I haven't been home in seven years, Mine. I really? haven't been, but I, yeah, yeah. But I'll be going. I'll be going sometime later this month. 
because okay. every time I had, when I had time in grad school, I didn't have money to like yeah. save up and travel. And when I had money, I didn't have time. So it was yeah. just those two things that couldn't coincide. But finally, the stars aligned and, you know, opportunities came up. My brother is actually getting married, so I'm going to go home for the first time in seven years. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was it. Thank you so much for talking about, you know, everything you're currently doing, you know, moving from Turkey to Austin to pursue an advanced degree and now continue on with a PhD program at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Um, as you go on in your program, I do wish you the very best with your teaching course, balancing that with your research and whatever the future brings also, whatever lies ahead of you in the future, I do hope, you know, you find that happiness you want and you find that fulfillment even more importantly like you want and um thank you so so much wonderful thank you so much it was wonderful thank you for hosting me thank you for listening to my experiences so it was really wonderful to share this exchange between both of us i was very glad and happy to be part of this so thank you good good yes have a great day bye mo all right bye bye behind me now is the song gracias la vida from Mercedes Sosa. The original one was sung by a Chilean lady called Valera Para. And the song in Spanish means thankful for life. The first stanzas of the song goes, Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto. Me dio dos luceros que cuando los abro. Perfecto, distingo lo negro del blanco y en el alto cielo su fondo estrellado y en las multitudes el hombre que yo amo. Translated to English, the lyrics mean thanks to life, which has given me so much. It gave me two bright stars that when I open them, I can perfectly distinguish the black from the white. And in the sky above, her starry backdrop and redeem the multitudes, the man I love. And I think that perfectly captures Mina's story. So enjoy the song and thanks for listening to the show. I remain your host, Mosibo. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado tanto. Me dio dos luces que cuando los abro, perfecto distingo lo negro del blanco y en el alto cielo. Su fondo estrellado y en las multitudes el hombre que yo amo. Gracias a la vida que me ha dado Y me ha dado el llanto Así yo distingo Dicha de quebranto Los dos materiales Que forman mi canto Y el canto de ustedes Que es el mismo canto Y el canto de todos es mi propio canto gracias a la vida